We're in our series through First Corinthians on it's time to grow up. Somebody say it's time to grow up. Or oh, you can do it better than that. It's time to grow up. Today, we're going to talk about growing up in your thinking. Look at the person on your right and say, grow up in your thinking. Look on the other side of you. Do, do you know you need to grow up in your thinking? Amen, 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 amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gospel that is able to help us to grow up. It's able to do everything that you empower it to do. So God, uh, shape us and make us wiser uh, in relation to the gospel and in relation to life so that we can apply it to every single sector of our lives, Lord God. And, and in order for that to happen, I need power. The, the, this message needs power. We need filling. We need, we need all that stuff that makes preaching easy. And we need uh, your people to have open and receptive hearts uh, to, that, to that reality. So, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, God, our strength, our redeemer, in whom we trust, God, and uh, help us to be not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Help us to receive this engrafted word of God, which is able to save our souls. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. And so we've entered our series on 1 Corinthians, and, and we're going through a book that's going to get rugged in a minute. Um, but, 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 but Paul is doing us a favor and sort of giving us some some guidelines and some backdrop and some layout to kind of help us to work through uh, every area of our life. And in the next few weeks, we're going to deal with everything of singleness, issues in marriage, um, sexuality, judging other people, all, all different types of things. But in order to look at that, because if I see one more person say, only God can judge me, I am going to scream. Um, I'm just going, because I know what that means. I do what I want to do. and then when God, But you don't want God to judge you. You want some judgment now so that you won't have to get judged later. And so, so you, uh, it, but that's a whole nother sermon. And I'm, I'm, I, I tell you, I'm going to play Congos on the roof if somebody say that one more time. I, I just tell you in Jesus' mighty name. But today we're talking about um, this idea of growing up in your thinking. And, and, and if any, any, anyone, any, anyone knows uh, if anything about life, you can, you can get bigger in your body. Uh, you can you you can you can you can you can grow resources. You can have all kinds of things, but 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 a person that has not grown up and has a whole bunch of stuff is just a fool with a whole bunch of stuff. That's why you can go play. You can go down the street and you can go play the lottery and and mismanage your money and, and 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 go down and play the lottery and you win the lottery and you broke Friday. Be, because get, because most of us in our mind, we think if we get this thing in particular, everything will be all right. But the issue is, is it's not us getting more that's going to make things all right. What's going to make things all right is us growing up in our mind. And if our minds, if we're not, if we're not matured in our thinking, if we're not shaped and challenged in our thinking, our lives remain the same. I remember, I remember back in the day when, when, when somebody that was acting not the acting the age, we say, you young in the head. You know what I'm saying? And some of us spiritually are young in the head. Amen. And so, and so what we need is in order to unlock the best, because you can get all the theological weightiness you want, and you get, but if you're not maturing in your understanding of things, you're just going to be like Pastor Larry said, are you going to have an olive oil body with a, a Charlie Brown head? Amen, amen, amen. Some of y'all don't know who Charlie Brown is or olive oil is. Pull up your phone, go on the internet, and it'll take care of itself. Amen. 
And so, and, 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 and so as, we, as we dive in today, Paul, again, is giving us the gateway to understanding what it looks like to grow up. Because the, the, and, and, and what he does is he zooms us in and, 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 and helps us to consider the nature and glory of the role of the gospel to restructure how we think. Because if our thinking isn't restructured, we're in trouble. That's why the Bible says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, when you trust Jesus Christ as Savior, you're going to see in chapter 2 that you have the mind of Christ. In other words, you have the capacity to think like Jesus Christ. The problem with that is you don't have the information based on the transformation. So therefore, you have to hide the word in your heart. You have to memorize the word of God. You have to receive the engrafted word of God. How? So that you can utilize, because the mind of Christ is already set up to use, uh, 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 to, to, to use the word of God. But if you don't put the word of God in it, you let the mind of Christ stay dormant. That's like getting an iPhone or an Android and don't download no apps. You're not, get, you're not maximizing the use of the phone. I mean, what, what, what if you got a phone and your phone can do all of these different things? Did you know your phone could do this? And you know, and you be, I didn't know it could do that. If you download some apps, you'd get some help. Well, that's what it means to be a Christian. When you get saved, you're like an iPhone on Android. That's what your mind is like. That's what the mind of Christ is like. And so what has to happen, though, is you have to get in the word of God, which is the app store. And, 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 when, you get, and when you get in the app store, you're downloading apps. But the greatest app in the Bible is the app of the cross. And so we need, to, we need to download a cross app. And that cross app is to help us. It's the operating system for the Android and the iPhone brain. Are you, help, are you, are you hearing me? And so, and, so, and so what we have to do is we have to dive in and be soaked in the nutrients of kingdom realities so that we can maximize what God. And see, when you go into the app store, there, there are free apps and there's apps that cost. Y'all going to get it in a second. But when you go to the Bible, because of what Christ has done, all the apps say free on it. And so all you got to do is push the button and just put in the code, which is faith. Because you always got to put a code in. And, down, and all of a sudden it just goes, and then it starts downloading. And sometimes downloading takes some time. But you're going to have to, by God's grace, get in the app store. And so Paul begins an introduction really to a new phone and in this part section of the book he's saying okay let me give you the instructional manual for how all the rest of the apps that I'm gonna lay out in this book's gonna work okay and so we come here which brings me to my first and only point and I'm out of your way uh, uh, if you're gonna grow up in your thinking number one you got to recognize that in the gospel God is determined to exalt himself y'all didn't hear that God is like, do you know what your life is really about? It's, it's God's determination in your life for you not to be as seen as you usually are and for him to be seen as he should be. That's what, that's what the Christian life is about. So that means there's going to be a multiplicity of deaths that take place in your life. Okay, let, let's, let's get in this text. So, so, so Paul, Paul says something interesting. He says, he says, right here, he says, for it is written. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discerning of the discerning I will thwart. So this is crazy that God is basically saying, I'm going to make those, this is all he's saying, I'm going to make those who think they got it all together look stupid. That's basically what he's saying. Now, there's an eschatological reality, meaning future things, 
where God is ultimately going to destroy the wisdom of the wise, right? But then there, there's temporal ways, really, really practical in the everyday of how he destroys the wisdom of the wise. Um, now, 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 spiritual grown-ups understand this reality. Now, now, when God destroys the wisdom of the wise, this is what God is going. God, in his wisdom, this is not just ultimate, but it's the fact that by which God shows the power of the gospel to oppose people who think they can do life without him. Now, wisdom here is an interesting word. The word wisdom here in relation to this context about anti, this anti-wisdom, what God will call it, is, 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 is this. is the ability to, to acquire and discern truth about, uh, 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 about supernatural and supernatural things without the assistance of God. So what happens is, is someone being wise in their own mind, that's why the Bible says don't be wise in your own estimation. Why? Because if you let you think about life by yourself, then you'll think you're pretty smart. But God said he likes destroying the wisdom of the wise. Okay, y'all looking at me funny. Let me see if I can make it plain. So God basically is saying in this passage, I build up the ministry or the, or the, or the lives of those who think they're wise without me for one person and one purpose only, to destroy them. So take Pharaoh. God... God really, listen, God helped. E Egypt became a world power because God helped them to become a world power. And he does it on purpose. He said he blesses them, provides all of these resources, helps it rain, helps them get all of this stuff. And then they think in their mind that their gods are giving them those things. But it's the living God that's providing for them. So God allows a, a, a Pharaoh to come up who didn't know about Joseph and puts the children of Israel under slavery, which makes them, first off, they were the lowest people on the planet. So nobody was filling the Israelites because they're the, young, they're the youngest nation on the planet. Um, they've only been uh, 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 in existence for 400 years. Uh, Egypt was an ancient civilization with all of this power. But God is just so cool that he just sets this up. For 400 years, he just let them get beat down and torn down. But little does Pharaoh in Egypt know is that God is setting him up for something because God wanted to use the weakness of the slaves to overtake an empire, but they didn't pick up one weapon. Show me in the Bible where the Egypt, Egyptian, I mean, the, uh, the children of Israel got their spear on. They had archers, cacao. It wasn't 100 years, hundreds of years later. All they did was trust God. While they were asleep at night, the death angel killed the firstborns, and then they walk out a mixed multitude with loot, with blingology 101 all over the place, right? They walk on now. They didn't work for none of the resources. See, that's how God, why? See, because sometimes God will just do something just because. He, but it wasn't about them getting the resource. It was about his glory. And so as they started walking, and, and I, my, my son, my four-year-old, watches Prince of Egypt like 22,000 times a day. And so, and, 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 and so the imagery there is just interesting. As they're walking, and all of a sudden they're walking in faith, and then God's people look back, and all of a sudden here comes Pharaoh. God is an epic God. He puts up fire. They're like, God. They was like, God, that scared the daylights out of me. So they stand up behind it. But then they got the water in front of them. What they going to do? So all of a sudden, you know, I, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know what Moses did, but, but all of a sudden he might have twirled his staff up in there and dropped that mug like that. Then the water just went, and went on up like that. Joseph was like, yo, yo. The kids were like looking at each other like high-fiving at the grace of God. And then they start walking through that thing. 
And, and I'd have been like, man, I'd have been doing like this and looking at it. And, and then all of a sudden, God releases the pillar. Do you see the epic nature of this? Now, all of this, the children of Israel are like, why would God put us all into this? Why in the world would God put us in a situation where we're getting chased and, and he's going to put the fire up and then let them go? To come out? So it looks like God is letting them come after them. So in their minds, they're going to get destroyed. You, you, you're missing it. They go to the other side, and then all of a sudden, they go, oh, they say, come on in, come on in. And all of a sudden, quote, coach, wash all the cats out of the way. He destroys the wisdom of the wise. And in one swoop, he killed an entire army, and Egypt never recovered after that. When God destroys the wisdom of the wise, he does it in epic proportions. And in every single area of your life, God is seeking to put you on an epic journey of him coming through for you as long as you walk forward in the power and glory of the gospel to follow him. God is always going to tell you something stupid to you, but wise to him. And so, and so, and so, and so this wisdom is un unbelievable. I remember we was playing the Pivoty Fellowship and, um, and, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm a, I, I like, I, I don't like fundraising. I do because God says I have to. So, 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 so I'm, I, you know, we raise money. I call it, I go to a website, a church website. I'm going to go in and talk to whoever I'm going to talk to and say, hey, I'm planting a church. Here's our vision. Can you, can you help us plant? And so I got a bunch of no's. I got more no's than yes. Okay. And that usually happens in your life. Don't let the, don't let the no stop you from what God called you to do. That's, that's a whole nother sermon. And, and so we kept, so, so, so one dude in the city, I ain't going to say his name, loving to death. We boys now, but we weren't boys at that moment. Amen. Because when I talked to money, I said, yo, man, yo, can you, can you, can you bless us with the, maybe this is what God called us. He's like, he's like, first off, he coming, first off, we ain't supporting you. That's number one. And we ain't going to do it. Where you going to plant at? I'm like, no Philly. He's like, it's never going to work. I was like, wow. Now, y'all have to know that that day was the day I knew the Holy Spirit was in my life. Because I have the, I have, I, I, every now and then, I have a brawling unanointed brawling philosophy and so I, I i wished of myself that i could reach through the phone line and just shake his head until his brains were in his eyeballs but the holy ghost had control of me that day you missed that and, and, so, and so, so that day i don't know what came over me just some peace and i was just like the holy spirit was like it's gonna be okay it's gonna be like my uncle they had to do him like this when he get real angry y'all missed that but but what happened was is, is 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 that sense of that and then later on he's talking to a friend of mine a real good friend of mine he said he said man i can't believe it man i love e now but man we didn't support epiphany fellowship now we eating crow like a mug and i and i, and I say that to say god will have you experience rejection just like christ experienced rejection and people will look at your potential in and of itself, and they will do two plus two equals this. But in faith, faith doesn't work mathematically. Faith never works mathematically. It's this. God plus faith equals everything. Or whatever God wants to do in relation to that thing. And so that's why it's very, very important for us to embrace this philosophy of life that, man, because of God's grace, our thinking about how life works, how things click together, is going to have to be diametrically changed. And that's what he's trying to work with the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church had a belief system that believed that because of socioeconomic status, this is what makes you a believer, this is what makes you strong, and this is what makes you able to do whatever you can do in life based on human effort. 
And they were so engaged by the culture around them that the culture around them and the strategies of the culture around them, the methodologies of the culture around them so saturated them that they trusted in man's capability beyond God's capability would have them walking in a life of a lack of faith because they only was willing to do what only man can do. And you can't live your life based on only what man can do. When you, that's why the Bible says the righteous will live by faith. Why? Because our life is to be marked by living a life that in doing things that only God can do. If, if anything, listen, you know you're not walking in faith if you're not believing God for something only he can do. L listen, every now and then, there needs to be something too big for you that God is calling you to. If, if there's anything in your life that only you can do, I ain't talking about I can wash the dishes, I can take a shower. I'm talking about, I'm talking about some big old hubboisterisms. You know what I'm saying? In which God hubboisterously points you to something. You're like, oh, no, ain't, ain't no way in the world. The ain't no way in the world is the very place that God wants to do something in the world. And so, and so you and I have to be willing based on God's strength, based on God's grace through the cross. The cross is the marker by which it's not just a plus sign. It's not what the marker, that's not what it is. It, 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 it's a marker to help us to think and be influenced by the way God wants us to do things. So he likes destroying the wisdom of the wise. Why? The reason why he likes destroying the wisdom of the wise is that I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning, I will thwart. He said, I'll get in the way of it. Now check it out. He says, where is the wise, the one who is wise? Where is the scribe and where is the debater of this age? This is dope. So what God begins to do is he begins to call upon those actual people who he wants to destroy their wisdom. Now, the wise is the person in their day, like I told y'all last week, they, they, ciphers and battles ain't new. I know hip hop makes that new, right? But back in the day, right here, they used to do spoken word against each other. So what they do on the streets of Athens and Corinth, a dude would show up in his tunic with his fly sandals on, his pedicure done. That's weird to me. Um, that's weird to me for a dude to get. Uh, this is a whole other sermon. It's weird, man. Um, paint on your feet, dog. Anyway, so they standing up against each other. So the wise, they would circle each other. And he'd have a crew and an entourage, and that person would have an entourage. And so he would spit his wisdom at him, whether he rhymed it or whatever type of wisdom he'd bring up. Then the other person would bring it. And they'd be like, oh, that was dope. Then they said, what you going to do? Then he'd go, cacao at him. You know what I'm saying? Then on the other side, he'd go, cacao at him. And there'd be women doing it too. So there would be battles all on the street. So battling ain't nothing new. God says, I want you to bring those battlers to me. That's, that's what he said. He said, I want you to bring your best rhetoricians to me. But then he says, he says, where is the scribe, the person who can pin something? You know, writing ain't nothing new. Writer's royalties ain't nothing new. He said, describe the person who can actually write up something real nice like. And where's the debater who can knock somebody off philosophically? Bring them my way. And he says, I want to, because he wants to remind them of something. He wants them to, rem he wants to remind them that they've been trying to do life without him. And he wants to rock them by the fact that his folly can overview and over, uh, 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 over challenge what they would bring because he owns the patent on creation. Okay, y'all looking at me funny. He owns the patent on wisdom. When, 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 I don't know if you get a movie every now and then. I, I love movies. And that blue screen will come up when you put it in. And on that blue screen, it'll have a federal, like, symbol joint on there. You know what I'm saying? Then at the bottom of it, it'll say all rights reserved. And that all rights reserved, see, if you got a bootleg joint, it's not going to show that on it. 
You know, you have dudes high-fiving in the thing. You'd be like, where did that come? What the? Somebody get up and move. Excuse me. You hear all this noise and that baby's crying. That means you got, you, you got had, all right? It means you got had, all right? But, 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 but all rights reserved point to the fact that the, the person who created that has control over how it's used. And if you're going to use it, you have to go to the person who created to get permission on how you're going to use it because it doesn't belong to you. You can't edit it. You can't change it. You have to use it based on the standards of the person who created it. That's what wisdom is like. Wisdom is God owning the copyright, the patent on all creation. The trademark on creation is the living God. And anybody who says they have wisdom, anybody that says they know anything has to do it exactly like God says do it. So if it's marriage, they have to do it God's way. If it's singleness, they have to do it God's way. If it's sex, they have to do it God's way. If it's walking, they have to do it God's way. If it's talking, you have to, whatever in your life that you think you own and you can just do, America got freedom of speech, but the kingdom doesn't. And so, and so, and so that means we, we have to be in a dynamic fellowship with the cross bringer. That's what, do you watch Jesus's life? How he recognized that God owned the patent on everything? Every time he did something, it was deeply tied to fulfilling something that God said. That's why he ultimately went to the cross because it was commanded through the scriptures that he'd go. And that, that's why our life must be marked by what does God say about this particular area of our life. That's why he destroys the wisdom of the wise and says, where, where are all the cats that want to get it in with me and want to challenge me? But then God goes further in showing off how he's determined to glorify himself in our lives and through the cross and through the gospel. Look at what it says. It says, for since the wisdom, uh, for since, uh, verse 21, in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God. It's interesting. So the world did not know God through wisdom. What does this mean? This means that man, through his own exploits, couldn't get to God on his own. That's why nobody can say they're a seeker. Nobody ain't seeking after God. Matter of fact, God ain't lost, so he don't need finding. Okay? God, God ain't like walking around, I wish somebody would come get me. I don't even know where I am. Can somebody find me? And then here comes man. God, where you been? I've been looking for you. Come on out here and let's go. No, it doesn't work like that. Right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It says, it says man's wisdom did not find God. Let me just tell you something. What's glorious about the gospel is that none of us can find God. There is no one who seeks after God. There's none righteous, no, not one. We were absolutely unadulteratedly dead in our trespasses. If we were going to be found, we would, be, we would need to be rescued. We were like a child that got kidnapped at a very, very young age and was in someone's house and didn't know we belonged to somebody else. And we was in there forever and we grew up and all of a sudden someone comes to the front door and says, I'm mommy, I'm dead. And the helicopters come in and everything and they bring you out. You're like, why are you taking me out of my home? Why are you taking Because we didn't want to leave the home that we were in. But then when we find out the glory of who that parent was, we're like, I can't believe I was kidnapped. What, what happens? I was kidnapped and I had all this. I was in a kingdom with a king and I was a king's child. I was a king's daughter. I was a king's son. That's what it's like to be snatched. God has to come get man. 
you ever think you found God? Get that off your lips. You are in the cellar of a serial killer. And he was molesting and destroying you, bringing, wreaking havoc on your life. You didn't find, you didn't like, you went like searching the internet and saw your identity and said, oh, let me send God an email, come get me. No, you didn't even know who you would be if it wasn't for him. So, so, so when he talks about here, he said, it, 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 he said, they did not know God through their wisdom. There was nobody in the planet. I talk to cats all the time about the different religions. And they tell me all kinds of different things about their religious philosophy. And I just keep telling them, like the Muslims always tell me, the, Bible's a, uh, the, the Quran is a continuation of the Bible. And I said, it can't be. They, 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 said, they said, it is a continuation. I said, so have you ever read it? No. Hold on. That's like watching the last Star Wars and not watching the first three. If something's a continuation of something, that means it's intimately connected. But when I read the Surahs, when I read Surah 320, Yale people of the book, the book and the ground in which you stand on is the only ground which is your word. Even the Quran affirms that the Bible is the word of God, but the Bible never affirms that the Quran is the word of God. So then you go over and then you got this place where Jesus is standing before Allah in Quran and, and, and he's standing there copping the plea. I don't know what they said about me being God. I don't know. And, and he's copping a plea and being judged by Allah. But see, that's, see, in our Bible, it has Jesus coming back to judge. It doesn't have Jesus copying a plea because God is the judge and Jesus is the God. So therefore, your wisdom's not leading you to God. I say, so how in the world do you, do you deal with sin? Well, Allah just deals with our sin and he just abolishes our sin. I said, well, Allah is unrighteous. He said, how is Allah unrighteous? I said, because Lord Yahweh, he doesn't exonerate sin without removing sin. If Allah forgives sin without dealing with sin, you, sir, are still a sinner. And therefore, Lord Yahshua came under Lord Yahweh's reign to exonerate the sins of man so that now we have access to God. And he's a, well, well, God, Allah will weigh the good and bad. I said, well, my Bible teaches, you said it's a continuation. This is on our best day. My righteousness is as filthy rags. The heart is deceitful and wicked. Who can know it? So my God doesn't, I, I would be scared if he weighed my good against my bad. I would be horrified because my God doesn't just see your actions. He sees your inclinations within the core of your darkness. And so I needed a rescuer to come back and change my heart and give me a new heart so that now the goodness that I do is not the goodness that I do. It's because I've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I that live but Christ that lives in me and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live to the glory of the one who died for me. That's how it works. And so he makes the wisdom of this world foolishness. It's, 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 they believe that they can get to God on your own. You better not ever say baptism save me. Being on the choir save me. Bring an alkali save me. Being, be, being, being on the that doesn't save you. Christ and Christ alone. And so that's why he says you'll never find him without him. So that's why God 
Do y'all know God is a giggler? God laughs. And God has an enormous sense of humor. Even Psalm 37 said he laughs at the day of the wicked. Now look at what it says right here. This look at God's sense of humor. It pleased. It means God, you know, we used to argue in seminary about the passability and impassibility of God. Does God have emotions? Well, please seem, I don't know. But it said it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. That is bananas. Now God, this is what God likes to do. God said it pleases me that it takes me for people to understand me. And I like to see them rack about their brain how I'm going to save. And so, and, so, and, so, and so what God does is God, in this idea of pleasure, it means to determine, to resolve, to take satisfaction in something, to take delight. So God in eternity past was enjoying himself in all respects, even in engineering how men would be saved. So God meditates on the glory of the gospel himself. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Isaiah 53 that it pleased God to crush Jesus Christ because it was a crazy engineering technique that people thought that when Christ died, it was going to be over. But little did they know Christ dying on the cross was the way in to bring men into relationship with God. And so that's the beauty of the gospel and that's the glory of the gospel. And so he says, he says here, he says, for Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. It's interesting that you know, signs never saved anyone. Actually, the more signs you get, the more signs you want. Yeah. You know, people ask me questions like, Pastor, why don't God solve world hunger? Or why don't God serve the... I said, well, if he solved world hunger, you'd be like, well, why didn't he show up to show us himself why he did it? So how we know God did world hunger? Then they're going to engineer the fact that God didn't do it and put it in some book saying world hunger got stopped by the ingenuity of man of redeveloping the ecosystem so that now we're ecologically free and the ozone layer is building itself back. In other words, man, we're so sick and dark. That, 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 that no matter what God does, we will, won't believe in God without God. But he said, you seek a sign. That's what Jesus said. I ain't giving y'all nothing else. I believe that's how he said it too. I ain't giving y'all nothing. Nothing else. You know what I'm saying? Because, because they were looking for a sign. He said, I'm giving you. He said, this is a sign y'all going to get. But y'all not going to think it's a sign. I'm going to give you the sign of Jonah. The son of man will be killed and three days in the belly of the whale like him, like Jonah, and on the third day be raised from the dead. That's the sign you're going to get. But, but in order to see that as the sign, that's the only sign that saves. But in order to recognize it as a sign, God has to give you through the spirit sight beyond sight. Okay, let me see if I can explain. I used to watch it. I'm a Thundercats fan. Thunder, thunder, thunder. Y'all, I lost... All my 50 and up, like, what, 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 what just happened? All my 20s, 25 and below, y'all looking at me funny, too. Everybody up in that little pocket right there, y'all understand? That little pocket. You know what I'm saying? I love me some lion, though. And, and I, 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 you know, and back in my day, they didn't make an eye of Thundera. I wanted me an eye of Thundera. You know what I'm saying? An eye of Thundera. It's interesting that, that lion would be somewhere else. And, 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 and the eye of Thundera would be making a sound. Like that. And then he knows that when he's making that sound, he needed to take it up. And what he does, he put it in front of his eyes. And he said, Eye of Thundera, give me sight beyond sight. You know, that's how they talk. Everybody's voice was the same on those cartoons. <laughs> All of them. And then it showed up, and then the eye would open up and it would whoosh, and show him something else where he wasn't because where he is, he can't see it. 
And so he needs something or someone to help him to see beyond where he is. And that something helped him to see beyond where he is so that he can know how to respond based on where he is. Well, the spirit, if you would not get saved if God did not give you sight beyond sight. You have to have the sight that's given by the Holy Spirit. That's why when we get to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3, it says, No one can accept Jesus as Lord except by the Spirit of God. The way that you get saved is not in your sinful state. You notice the gospel. God has to do something to take the veil off your face based on 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, or 3 and 4, where it says, uh, he says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelieving in order that they may not see the glory of the gospel of peace. So therefore, we needed a rest to take the veil off of our face give us sight beyond sight and renew us in a way where we can notice that the gospel was valuable there is no way in your lost state that you and I could notice the gospel God has to do something in us himself to change us and take the veil off of us convict us of sin righteousness and judgment so that we can know that we're sinful that we know that a judgment is coming and that there's a righteousness that we don't have. And then we look at this glorious gospel and the lights come on. You don't bring the lights on yourself. That's what changes our thinking. The fact that not only are we saved in this way, but your life is progressively filled with God rocking you off of your ability to do life on your own. Many of you are living lives and you don't even think kingdomly. Many of you, you're just making decisions. You don't pray about nothing. You, ch- you always pick the easy road. When Christ picked the hardest road, you avoid challenges because you want your life built around you, a meism, your narcissism. And God is saying to you, I've called you to a challenging but glorious life in me. And what changes our minds is the beauty of the fact that trouble don't last always. But in the midst of that trouble, you have grace in trouble. I wish I, I, wish I had some. You're all, as a Christian, you're always in trouble. But you always have grace in the midst of all of that trouble. And so that's what I love about the beauty and glory of what God is doing. So we don't demand signs and demand God explain it in a particular way. Let me tell you something, because the, uh, the Greeks demanded wisdom. I've done all kinds of apologetics with people. Explain the, the, the ontological understanding of God, the teleological argument, the, the, all these different arguments about God. And didn't get not one convert. I remember there's a dude in college named Knowledge. You know, he's 5% Nation of Islam. Your mom ain't named you Knowledge, doc. Give me your government name. My name, Knowledge. And I'm walking into knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, but the 360 degrees of understanding that God has given me, he going, that, that's how you know you're talking to 5%. They be going all like this, like they rhyming when they talking to you. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm, I'm trying to drop all of this, you know, when Norman Geisler says this and, you know, and, and the Bible is. And then I did it one day. And I just said, share the gospel with him. I just shared the gospel with him over and over and over and over again. I go away to grad school. Knowledge calls me. Say, E. I said, who is this? He said, knowledge. He said, I got saved. I said, where? <laughs> he said, I got baptized and saved last week. And it was because of you sharing the gospel with me. And I I just sat back and I was just like, like God, I'm I'm just like, the power of the gospel is weird to me because it, it wasn't my arguments that got through to him. 
It was me keeping sharing the gospel with them, sharing the cross. It's a, it's a, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get out of your way. I take my sons to this barbershop. I got a Morse Temple of Science guy. The midst of the 23 scientists, just weird stuff, just spook outable stuff, right? And, and, and I was in a barbershop with him, and they started smoking weed. Well, they were smoking weed out front. So I was like, I'm taking my boys in here. And the Lord was like, I want you to go in here. I want you to not stop bringing them here. I'm like, I can't, but my son's going to get a concert. He's like, I got you. You know, <laughs> some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and, um, and, and so I, I got three minutes. And so, so I, I walk in the barbershop and I sit down. And, I, and, I'm, and, I, and they know I'm a pastor, so I always try not to be that on them. You know what I'm saying? But I did play that Colossians 4-2. So God opened up the door for the word. So we chopping it up in there. And, you know, all of a sudden, something came. You talk about the government shutdown and everything. So, you know, the barbershop, they think they know everything. See, if I was president, see, I would do that. I said, Doc, if you was president, the country would be more broke than it is, dog. You know what I'm saying? The, the presidential Cadillac, I have four folds on it. You know what I'm saying? Diamonds, black diamonds on the steering wheel. You know what I'm saying? You coming up with an eight-button suit and gaiters on. America, how y'all doing, America? You know what I'm saying? It'd be real weird, the first crazy-looking president, right? But we're in there talking and chopping it up and everything. And, 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 and they, were telling, they were talking about their unbelief. And God said, keep sharing the gospel. He said, just keep saying it. Don't try, don't avoid it. Because, you know, I'm trying to do all this. He says, just keep going. And, and I don't know what's going to happen. But all, and because and, I want it because they, they're just like that. They want to seek wisdom. I, I want to give them a wisdom that helps them to understand the gospel based on a human persuasiveness. But but God is pushing me in my relationships with people to just share that good news, share that good news, explain it, illustrate it. But don't overbelieve in my rhetoric and my communications ability to bring them in because it's power even because the gospel can be made clear but it takes power to believe it and so as you share your faith with people but talk about this in chapter three, trust the gospel so check out what he says and i'm out your way he says but to those who are called both jews and greeks christ the power of God. Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So Christ, Christ, Christ. When, it's funny when you become a Christian, it's things in the Christian life that you recognize that most people don't recognize. But when you say it between another Christian and a Christian, you say, oh, that's just the way it is, baby. Like, for instance, I thought when I became a Christian, everything, I was never going to suffer again. I thought whenever I became a believer, everything's going to be all right. Money was just going to show up in my bank account. You know what I'm saying? And houses was just going to come my way. And I was going to have a marriage with no arguments and, and you know, no trials, no sickness. I don't, nobody taught me that, but I just believed it. And so when I got into Christian faith and me and my wife started arguing and stuff started happening, I was like, you know, what, 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 what the world? I said, what's wrong? They said, oh, they, the older Christians just laughed. They said, <laughs> they said, Doc, welcome to the wonderful world of the Christian. And what they were saying for me was, it's normal. For us, it's wisdom for us to recognize that there are things about being a Christian that change but doesn't change. Actually, there's some things that get worse when you become a believer. And that's the wisdom of Christ. The wisdom of Christ is that God doesn't make everything all right. He makes you all right while things aren't all right. That's wisdom. I, I, I got to move on. I got to move on. 
Then he says, for the foolishness of God, I love this statement. There's so many paradoxes in this passage. He says, the foolishness of God is wiser than men. In other words, the dumbest thing that God could say is the smartest thing that men can hear. Did you hear that? But check it out. He says, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. That's crazy. I'm going to tell y'all right now, I don't believe Samson was like Arnold Schwarzenegger going, cack hell, like that. I don't believe he was like that. I, 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 I I think paradoxically, if I can use my sanctified imagination, I believe that he was a skinny dude. And you look at Samson like, look at this bony guy. Oh, he made a half beer belly, you know, walking around, you know what I'm saying, like this, right? Fat dude. And then all of a sudden he yanks something and just go, what holes, right? Because, in, because God would anoint someone with strength that looks like weakness, not so that they could say his muscles did it, not his six-pack did it, not his quadriceps did it, not his, not his calves did it, but the thing that did it was what? Was the power of God among them. That's why they were blown away by it. How in the world is he strong? We got to find his strength. And in your life and where you are, people are going to wonder as you go through hell and high water and as you go through all kinds of challenges, they're going to wonder why in the world you're going through like you're going through and everything seems like it's all right. They're going to wonder why in the world are you sick in your body and you're still walking with God. They're going to wonder why in the world are you broke up and broke like you are and everything seems to be all right. They're going to ask you why. Why in the world is your marriage falling apart? And you're still walking with God. They're going to wonder how in the world are you single? How in the world are you walking around here with your fine self and still being sanctified without any type of sexual assistance? I wish I had some help right there. See, some of y'all are going to go through some stuff in life and it's going to make you feel like you're crazy. But you got to recognize that God is just showing uh, himself off in the gospel. The gospel is the power of God. The gospel is the anointing of God. The gospel is the strength of God. I am so glad that God is good in the gospel. That's why he sent Jesus to live the life we could never live. And to die the death that we could never die. They hung him high and they stretched him wide and he dropped his head in the locks of his shoulders. Friday it was quiet. Saturday it was quiet. Sunday it was, uh oh, there it is. On Sunday morning, he got up from the grave with all power in his hand. I'm so glad that God in the gospel is stronger than my weakness at my weakest point at my brokest point at my most challenging point I am so glad that the gospel is the power of God under salvation ain't he all right ain't he all right say yeah 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 I wish I had two or three people that would high-five their neighbor and say, God is my strength. Oh, oh my God. I wish I had somebody look over 
Oh, but somebody behind him and say, did you know that God was my strength? Oh, yeah. I know he's all right. I know he's all right. Won't he do it? Won't he make a way for you? Won't he open doors? Won't he let you loose? Ah, won't he let you loose? I'm out your way. I'm out your way. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Don't start nothing, won't be nothing. Don't start nothing, won't be nothing. Don't start nothing. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I know he's all right. <laughs> I know he's all right. Oh, he's a way maker. He's a heart fixer. Oh, he's a heart fixer. He's a life changer. He's a whoremonger sanctifier. He's a healer. He's a redeemer. He's a restorer. He's a changer. Oh! Let me go. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul, my soul, my, 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 my soul. I was sinking deep in sin. Oh God, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more. But the master of the sea, he heard, he heard my despairing cry. And he said, love lifted me. It lifted me out of darkness. It lifted me out of shame. It lifted me out of drugs. I wish I had somebody that was lifted up. Love lifted me. I know he's all right. 